and welcome to Dream It, Dare It, Do It, Live the Life You Want. I'm Jasmine. I'm your host for today and for every other episode that you've listened to so far. And today I'm very happy to have Mr. Joe Bailey with us. Hi, Joe. Hello, Jasmine. Good to be with you. Thank you. Thank you for for being here. Um, Everyone, Joe has learned from one, well, no, the person (laughs) who basically came out with the three principles or had his epiphany on the three principles and Joe studied with him. So like, he's like the first generation of people who started to um, speak about this three principle concept or principles actually is what they are. So Joe, I would like you to just introduce yourself to my listeners so they have a little more sense of who you are. And I would love you to, to um, explain what you were explaining to me of where you came from, like before you yeah, met Sid. Sure. So um, uh, I eventually became a clinical psychologist, you know, licensed as a clinical psychologist. But my journey on this path really began when I was uh, a kid. I was 16. And I was uh, an exchange student in Guatemala. And um, I had an aunt who was just an extraordinary uh, human being, very spiritual. She was a Catholic nun who founded the girls' school in Guatemala City. But she worked with the poor and she helped really uh, create social justice and change in, in Guatemala because of the the military there was killing all kinds of people. It was it's almost as bad as Cambodia. The, the situation there. So I got as a young kid in, thrown from a upper middle class family into this poverty region in Guatemala in the state of war. And I saw all this suffering and, uh, of humanity and the poverty and the starvation and all of this. And I, and I watched the work that my aunt and other people were doing and how they were really helping people. Uh, on a spiritual level, but really much more than that, you know, teaching them how to take care of themselves and upgrade their life and, you know, organize, you know, their communities, et cetera. Um, and I just knew I was called to help people yeah. alleviate suffering. So that was the, the birth of my vocation. And and uh, as a Catholic, I went in the seminary became to become a Catholic priest. I thought, well, that was what I needed to do. Oh, I, that didn't last very long. <laughs> I, I, after a couple months in the seminar, I know, oh, this is not my life. No, this is not for me. So I went into psychology then and studied at the undergraduate and graduate level. And with under very traditional, you know, um, psychological theories, the theories of Freud and, you know, behaviorism and going back in the past and, and all of that. Um, but I was always kind of, disenchanted with psychology because it seemed all about labeling and diagnosing people. And that was about as much as they did. They didn't really know how to help people get well. They just helped them cope with their mental illnesses. They helped them by diagnosing them and giving them medication and coping strategies. So I, I became very curious about other spiritual paths and did yoga and meditation and explored the whole Eastern thing. But I I, I knew that the spiritual and the psychological had to both be involved in transformation and change. 
but psychology was very separate as a science from spirituality, which is associated with religion. So, but I always felt like there was this schizophrenic split in me and that I would try to find a way to bring them together. And, um, and I was working primarily in the addiction field with alcoholics and with drug addicts. And I found that when people who were addicted had some sort of a spiritual awakening, a, a transformational experience, those were the ones that didn't relapse. And the ones that just coped with it by going to meetings or recognizing their addiction usually fell off the wagon. But people who had that shift in consciousness, that spiritual understanding got solid in their sobriety. So I I didn't have a psychological explanation for that until I met Sid Banks. And when I met Sid Banks, what he was saying, even though I couldn't understand it because I was trying to listen with my brain and through a psychological lens, but he hit me in the heart big. Like I felt it and it transformed me because I, I, I started to giggle and feel happy for the first time. I had become so serious and so in my head. Mm. And being around Sid, I just was so attracted to all the people around him because they were just being happy. They had found mental health. And so whatever it was that he was dishing out, I wanted more of it. And so I uh, studied at the Advanced Human Studies Institute for a year, and um, Keith Blevins and Chris Heath and I were part of that kind of first class of students. Yeah. And um, and Chris and I uh, both had a very successful private practice, but it got too successful. So we had to start training other people. So we started our own institute in Minneapolis in 19, um, 1983. We opened it up and we treated thousands of people, trained uh, lots of therapists, did programs in the school systems and in communities and worked with the police. And we did all, we, we were just counselors, but all of a sudden these principles applied to everything. And so we started spreading out our work beyond just clinical psychology to working with communities and systems. And, and so for the, for the last uh, 40 years, my work is keeps morphing. <laughs> And it's taken me into working in healthcare. I've done a lot of work in with healthcare systems, hospital systems in Michigan and uh, the Twin Cities. I worked at the University of Minnesota Medical School in the Inner Life of Healers program to work with physicians and nurses and other healthcare providers to help them be resilient and not burn out. Work with the Mayo Clinic um, in Arizona, training their all their. Uh, department chairs and leaders, and eventually the system, they're teaching resilience uh, to healthcare professionals. But it's my work's taken me um, probably because of my books. They've been translated into 26 languages, and I've traveled all over the world. And eventually, I never thought I'd ever leave my little town here, but it's the principles have taken me all over the planet teaching this understanding to a variety of audiences and 
my, I often say my life, I feel like I'm riding a magic carpet and I don't know where it's going because it has no steering wheel. I have no control over it, but it keeps taking me to be in the right spot at the right time. And that's what I find happens with people when they learn the principles. They get what we call lucky, mm. happy-go-lucky. They get in the flow of life rather than going up the stream. They start to flow with life. So when we're in a state of mental health, rather than just coping with our problems, we we enter in, into that kind of miraculous state where things happen out of the blue that you can't explain and you can't really take responsibility for. But because of just being who we are naturally, we're more in harmony with other people, with nature, with finances, with relationships. So this, this transformation, um, uh, it's just been pretty, it's been an interesting life. I can just say that. Well, it's, it's like, you know, like, like I've told you the, the, the name of the podcast is dream it, dare it, do it, live the life you want. Right. And, you know, I, 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 when I talk to friends or family, I have gotten some flack about it. You can't live the life you want. You know, you, you can't do that. And I'm kind of like, in the beginning, I was kind of like, well, well, that's what I want to do. So I was kind of like keeping it low key. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to do what I want, but I won't fly under the wire. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I'm seeing that there's a difference between there's, there's a different feeling to when I say I live the life that I want, like I kind of go with with a want from my heart. And that's kind of like what I'm hearing, right? We don't know where we're going to go, but you're like, okay, so, oh, you know, yeah, I want that. Oh yeah, I want yeah. that. And it brought you everywhere, right? Yeah. So is that like, what would you say? Like, what do you hear when I say live the life you want? Well, like in my new book, Thriving in the Eye of the Hurricane, yeah, I talk about it as the eye. You know, so the eye in a hurricane is totally still. There's no wind in there. But around it are 200 and some mile an hour winds that are very destructive. And in our world today, everybody's looking for some constant, something they can count on, uh, something that can guide them in their day-to-day -day life, in relationships, in in their careers, in their um, finances, everything. And so what, what Sid's discovery, Sidney Banks' discovery was about was understanding how the mind works from the inside out, how we're creating our life rather than life happening to us, it's happening from us. So it kind of turns around the paradigm, which the old paradigm of psychology is that you're a product of your past, your genetics, and your socialization. The sum total of that is who you are. But that's not who we are. That's part of who we are. You know, we have a brain, we have conditioning, we have habits, we have genetics, we have all those influences. But we have this connection to universal mind because it's our essence, it's our soul, that's who we are. And when we, when our intellectual mind quiets, 
we hear the still small voice of insight, wisdom, this inner guidance system. So the principles are like a compass that get us back in sync with our true heart's desires so that we are with the right people at the right time, so that we're, we're listening with, you could call it intuition, you could call it um, spiritual direction, you could call it luck, whatever you want to call it, there is something in us that we can trust. And the principles don't, they, they just remove the barriers to that guidance system so that we can hear what's in our heart, hear what's in that divine thought, divine intelligence to guide us in life. So my focus isn't on treating problems with clients, although I address those, you know, if I'm working with an alcoholic or a heroin addict, I help them detox, get the medical help, et cetera. Do you use your common sense? But what will really cure them is not just detoxification and medicine, but a deeper understanding of the mind. So the deeper understanding of the mind, whether you're a CEO or a heroin addict, is going to help you live a better life. And so um, this, this wisdom, this voice of truth, when we quiet our minds, we hear that more clearly. It's like tuning in a radio station that's in between stations, to use an old metaphor. Mm. It's just a little off. When we tune it in, we can hear that voice of truth coming through. And when we trust it and act from there, miracles happen. It transforms everything in our life. I, I was just talking to a guy from um, France before this call. Oh, he lives in France. He lives in Switzerland and he lives in London. He's kind of a very successful business guy and um, was addicted to porn. It was destroying his marriage. It was destroying his life. And, um, and he said, you know, he, he grew up in Belfast and, you know, in, in the time when Belfast was just torn up and in the war and all that. So he had a really traumatic childhood. And that was just his coping mechanism. And, and being super wealthy and successful was another coping mechanism. He found, you know, he's castles and you, know, you name it, yachts. He's got it. But he was miserable inside. So he, he said, I didn't know that everything I was looking for was inside me. I always thought it was out there. Now I've found what I was always looking for, and I can still appreciate all the things I've done, but I no longer have that kind of compulsion to grasp outside. I'm content for the first time in my life. I'm feel content. So contentment is mental health. That's what mental health is. You, when you're content, you're not passive, but when you're content, you, your mind is quiet, quieted and you can hear that still small voice that will inspire you to do things that are um, 
maybe go against everything you thought you could do or surprise you that you would want to do that. But when you trust it, in hindsight, you can look back and you can see that was the perfect decision. And if you look at your life, Jasmine, or you look anybody listening to this would look at their life, as you look back and you see those little hunches that you had, those little inklings you had along the way when you trusted them, that was your inner truth or guidance trying to direct you. But it was usually over, um, overshadowed by your insecurities, your fears, your self-doubt. Oh, yeah. But when you trust it, it's like, wow, am I ever glad I listened to that? Or I wish I would have listened to that. So it's always been there. But the three principles just help bring it into focus so that you can see it more clearly and hear it more deeply so that you can know that whatever the problem is, the best therapist in the world is right in here. So funny as you speak, I'm I'm just reminded as at because I've been listening to that to that sense for a long time. I mean, I wouldn't change anything of my life, and I've had good and bad moments, you know. Like, but I'm happy of where I am. I'm totally content. I'm I can't believe that I'm living the life that I want this way, you know. Like, I'm I really love it, and. It's so funny because you're saying, you know, if you look at back at your life, you're going to see that you heard that voice, you know, and what, what I'm seeing is that what I heard a lot from other people, not from me, because I would say no, I was like, no, I'm not doing that, you know, or, or I don't want that or something. I was just called stubborn. <laughs> you know, I was just like, oh, yeah, she's so you're not going to make her do anything, you know, but, <laughs> But okay, I'm like, okay, if that makes me stubborn, then now, but back then, I didn't, I didn't like being called stubborn. But now I'm just like, well, if me listening to my wisdom is me being stubborn, then so be it. I'm like, totally happy with that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But yeah, just yeah. Like, so what? somehow that didn't get snuffed out in you, you trusted that. Yeah. And, 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 um, so even though everybody else was trying to condition you differently, you had a, you just had a knowing about that. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I wish I had it in other places, but <laughs> like, and I see, I can see in very specific areas. I remember in my twenties, I was breaking up with a boyfriend and we had two dogs and he told me, and we were doing the, the shared you know, like the shared thing, like he'd have the dogs during the week. I'd have the dogs during the weekends. This is the joint, cust joint custody. Joint custody yeah. That's the word. So we were doing joint custody. And at one point he had a new girlfriend and the new girlfriend had kids and the dog, one of the dogs snapped at one of the kids. And he said, I'm not keeping them anymore. He says, you, when you give them back to me, he says, I'm going to bring them, put them down. And I was just like out of myself. I was just like, no way you can't do that. And my head was telling me, okay, I can't do it. I can't, can't keep them. You know, I was in my early twenties back then. I didn't have an apartment, was still living with my mom, didn't have the money to go in an apartment. And when he came to bring the dogs, I told myself, I'm going to tell him, okay, go bring them. And then I saw the dogs and I said, okay, tie the dogs to the tree here. I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. I got this. 
And within two weeks, I had had a raise, I had found an apartment, and I had my two dogs with me. (laughs) And it was just like, and that was kind of like the beginning of me going, wow, like, really, like, you can have what you want. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, it was kind of like the proof that I saw, you know, in the... And and I yep. could see it in many other areas, you know. I yeah, if you can just stick to what you like, listen to your heart, do you? It doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. Like, you know, sometimes I had this thing, well, it's it should be easy. Well, it could Not necessarily. be but it doesn't have to be. No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, well, that that to me is the message for our time because I think right now and in, in our at this point in history, that there's you know we're kind of colliding all these crises at once: the the climate crisis, you know, where our climate is changing dramatically. Uh, it's changing the lives of all the other living beings on the planet: the insects, the birds, the animals, the fish, the oceans. Everything is changing dramatically which is changing our economies and, you know, where people live and social migration and people are in droughts and, you know, all of this is happening. And during, during that, when people experience that change and their insecurity level rises, they tend to become um, more fearful. And when they become more fearful, they become more judgmental and more divided and we and they, and, you know, prejudice reigns. And so there's all of these, kind of a multiplier effect of problems that's occurring in the world, which is what inspired me to write this book. Um, it wasn't just the pandemic. It was the division politically, the, the, um, uh, the climate fi- uh, financial crises, all these things are kind of happening at once because the intellect has gotten us so far in our evolution as homo sapiens to develop a brain and to build buildings and instead of living huddled under our our animal wraps you know we're, we built buildings and homes and heating systems and air conditioning and all of this incredible technology that's exploded because of brain. the intellect but now we're so out of balance with nature and with each other we have to have a, a another seismic shift in in uh um humanity and this shift is a shift in consciousness we have to uh integrate the spiritual and the psychological but we also have to in order to survive we have to come from that same still small voice that in you that guided you about your puppy your puppies mm-hmm. <laughs> is the same still small voice that will guide leaders in government and business and education and and science to come up with new paradigms and new ideas that we can live in harmony with our planet with our other species and with each other and that shift is a a shift in in psychological consciousness that we have to understand how this mind actually operates so that we don't do ourselves in uh, so that we don't destroy this beautiful wonderful unusual place in the universe and so 
to me, this is, why did this happen through this little educated Scotsman welder that he had this revelation, this insight? Um, a, a most unexpected source for um, a shift in consciousness that will transform the planet. And that's, that, that's why I wrote this book, to tell stories about how that's happening in education, in high-risk communities, in the business community, in addictions, in mental health treatment, and uh, autism, and on and on and on, and parenting, and um, every facet of human behavior. The principles are, are really the, the missing link in what, what was missing. You know, since book, The Missing Link, is a good title, because that's the part that is missing, because even though all religions have pointed to this, it became um, a concept became rather a than a living spiritual religion. Yeah. Go ahead. It was, it was a thing, right? It became a thing yeah. instead of, of a, a, a sphere. Yeah, like you said, like a spirit thing. I like I I get it like I kind of like I told you I work with people and I help them with their business right and this is definitely what I see in in a business like they they kind of think oh I want to do this and then they 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 want to I'm going to think of a product right they, they're thinking of a product but they want to go through that the whole process of the product when they actually have the product all done right and they can just go out there and then just like breathe in it like see okay what can we add to it from a space of okay now this makes sense this makes sense this makes mm -hmm. sense right and and then build on top of it so that's why i like to say your business is a living breathing thing it's like kind of like you're working with it and then at one point you're going to adjust and then you're going to adjust just like you know the tree does, you know, once there's no room there, it's going to make sure it's going to adjust and tweak yeah. and go this way. You know, I think that that's everywhere. If we could just learn to be in the moment and use our common sense, like our, in our hearts and not try to determine the future, predetermine the future. And it's yeah. so, so funny because my, my work, I work with processes in a business, right? So that's what I do, actually. I kind of like go into companies and I go, okay, so the phone's going to ring. This person's going to ask for this. You're going to need to answer with this. And like, I kind of create the steps. Yeah. But it's it's a living thing. Like I, I created with um, a first gist, a first possibility. But then when you get, with it like when something when you're you're on it like you're you've you're got it. going you're doing it then you can something else can get created in that moment you don't have to stick to what you originally thought right yeah mm. yeah that's it's it's an organic model of mm. of transformation you know because if you get stuck doing things in a certain way as a company you become obsolete because you're not adapting and evolving and growing with the changes in the, in the, in the um, economic world or the marketplace. Yeah. So you have to constantly be really nimble and change and listen 
to that voice of insight and wisdom. And and a, a real good leader in any field sees beyond the present into the future. It can see where it's going, that that direction, whether instinctually, intuitively, insightfully, they know that. And then they, they're ahead of the competition. Yeah. Because they're anticipating the change rather than protecting what you've got. You, yeah. you Either you're evolving and growing or you're dying. Mm. You can't stagnate. You can't stay the same. You have to keep evolving and growing to survive. I was having a conversation this morning and that's what we were talking about. We were talking about, you know, the unknown where we, we try, like, we want to know, we can't, like, we're constantly wanting to know something. And then once we know, we're like, okay, well now I know, you know, but then once you know, what else is there? You got to want to know more, you know, it's like the unknown is where life actually sparks, you know, like you, you create in the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I read, read, a, uh, my wife's a poet yes. and she just wrote a book and this is, it, it's kind of a cool title. It's called One Lover. Okay. I have only one lover if the truth was known, one confidant that understands and guides me through the unknown. This lover is the only one capable of neutrality that brings me back to balance and shows me how to see. No one else can fill that place. Our human nature blocks the way. So let's, so it's just me and the source playing every day. When this life ends and I travel on to other ways, it'll still be us together experiencing another phase. My only goal is to be united, one with my only dream, to see there is no separation between me and the source of me. This is a book from your wife. She's putting it together. She's it's it's her art and her poetry. Mm. And um um but she this is what she when she um when she was in her 20s she had an an experience a spiritual experience and she just wanted to know how everything worked. She made that wish. And she had this experience when she was just sitting on a blanket in the sun down in uh, Arkansas one day. And she just, she saw how everything was created in this kind of a mystical experience. And from that point forward, she never planned what she was going to draw. It, she just let the pencil or the pen do the work. And she created this incredibly complex, intricate art without ever a plan, without ever a concept of what she was going to do. She just did what felt right. And she realized that that's how nature works. That's how everything works. It's just this organic following that feeling, that movement. And so when she met Sid Banks, she said, that validated her experience she had when she was 22 that that's that's what she'd been living her life from was that thing so 
that's what her poetry and her art is about. Um, and uh, so I'm looking forward to that coming out pretty soon. Well, sounds like you guys are pretty prolific writers. <laughs> well, you know, she, in the pandemic, she cleaned up her art studio and she found 50 poems strewn here and there and about on little pieces of paper. And so she gathered them all together and put them on the computer. And she realized she had a whole book of poetry. Sounds cool. And so it was all, she just, you know, they, things would just come to her in her mind and she'd write them down and she wouldn't even know what she was writing. And then she looked back and it'd be that poem and hundreds of others. Um, so that's yeah. doing without doing. Mm. Wow, that's really cool. Like I, there's no separation between me and the source of me. Yeah. Like that's going to stick. <laughs> that's a good one, isn't it? That's going to stick. Yeah, and I love that line. Um, my only goal is to be united one with my only dream, there is no separation between me and the source of me. Very beautiful. Yeah. Well, Joe, I think that's a perfect end <laughs> to our All conversation. Right. Yeah. Uh, but before we leave, I would like you to just let people know, because I you have a podcast also, which yes. is called Thriving in the Eye of the Hurricane, the same right. as your book. Yeah. And so where can they find you? They go to joebaileyandassociates.com. That's my website. And on there you can uh, see all my books and um, videos, you know, that are free. Um, and the, the uh, podcast series. I, I started about a year ago. Okay. So I think I have 17 or 18 podcasts I've done where I interview all the people who are in my book initially. Okay. And now I'm at, I ran out of all of them. So now, now I'm doing, you're branching out. <laughs> yeah. I'm branching out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. Well, uh, people go see Joe Bailey and associates.com. I want to thank you very much for the conversation. It was very, it was very peaceful. And I feel very Zen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in this beautiful space now. Uh, well, you you brought that you brought that came from you. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree. It, it, I'm owning it. It's mine. Yeah, I good. Agree. Well, Jasmine, you're a beautiful soul and a great spirit. Thanks for the work you do. Thank you very much. I will definitely continue to do this. I'm having fun, and I'm hoping people have fun too. Yeah. So. Well, good. I'm glad you you found your path and you trusted yourself. Thank you so much. Well, to everybody else who's listening, I'm going to say dream it, dare it, do it, live the life you want, and see you next time. Bye.